we'll go straight to Psalm 119. And uh, we're in uh, the <clears throat> eighth stanza uh, of Psalm 119, verses 57 through 64. And uh, the Word of God says this, Thou art my portion, Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you for uh, this psalm, and I just pray that you just continue to bless. Lord, uh, I do thank you for what you've done in my heart, and we just pray that you would meet with us this morning, that the word of God would go forth with power, and Lord, that you would do a work that only you can in the hearts of people. And Father, we pray that you'd be with each Sunday school teacher this morning. Bless this hour. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So here we are this morning. We uh, <clears throat> are in the eighth stanza, as I mentioned. And uh, sometimes when God strips us of all earthly blessings, we uh, often realize we need his, more, his presence more than anything else. And the psalmist here talks about uh, the Lord being his portion. And uh, do you desire to have a life directed by God? Um, I entitled this this morning, Directed Steps. And it was partly because down there in verse 59, it says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. And we'll get to that. But, but this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, the Lord directing our steps, if you will. And, and, ha- and really, all, just the reality is we need the Lord's presence in our life. Uh, we need uh, His guidance and His direction and of course, we know, we've talked about it over the last several weeks, about we find that in His Word. Um, but uh, we see the psalmist saying, the Lord is His portion. And the idea there is His, his allotment, His inheritance, if you will. Uh, God's presence is our great inheritance. And of course, we know we, we receive the, the Holy Spirit at salvation. And... Uh, <clears throat> it, I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of at a loss for words this morning. I just want to remind you that God's presence is important for the believer. Uh, Psalm 16, a very similar verse, and it is into Psalm 119, verses, or verse 57. It says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. And, and so I, I get the idea here that the psalmist, uh, God was uh, to the psalmist what other people seek in wealth, Honor, pleasure, or fame. He was satisfied with the Lord. And that's not what's common in today. I mean, throughout human history, right? Um, uh, people are seeking those things that, that uh, I just mentioned, honor and, and, and pleasure and fame and those things. And, and, but to the psalmist, God was all and in all. He asked for nothing else. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, and and 
uh, I don't, we, we talked about it. I don't know if David wrote this. We, I don't know if we can say that for certainly, but I believe there's definitely some indicators here that he was the writer of this psalm. And um, Look at what Psalm 73 says in verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, listen, we need God's presence in our life. Uh, uh, my flesh and my heart faileth. Have you ever been there? Uh, I've, uh, listen, I, I hate to admit this, uh, but I tend to be pretty candid in Sunday school. Um, I have tried to serve the Lord in my flesh. And I can relate to Psalm 23, my flesh failed me. Uh, sometimes our heart fails us. So gets, and we know our heart's deceitful, but listen, uh, in the, our world today, it says, oh, just follow your heart. Do what your heart tells you. Uh, that's, that's bad advice. It says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The psalmist understood how important the presence of God was in his life and how important it was to have uh, God's favor it says, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. And, and I'm kind of getting off track of my notes here, but I, I'm just kind of bearing, bearing my heart to you this morning. And listen, his chief desire was the Lord's presence in his life. I get that impression here. Above anything else, the psalmist wanted God's presence. He, he wanted God to be evident in his life. Uh, does the way you live your life demonstrate this truth? Is that how you conduct yourself? That your chiefest desire, the number one thing that you desire in your life is the presence of God. That will change us. Uh, if we truly have the presence of God in our life, we will not be the people that we once were. Uh, listen, and I can tell you throughout this last year, uh, if we have the presence of God in our life, like I believe the psalmist is here explaining, we will not be the people that we were last year. You will grow and develop and change to be more like Christ every day of your life, if that's your chief goal, is to have God's presence. Uh, and it, it is, oh, I'm trying not to get ahead of my notes here, but um, the level of God's presence in our life is subject to our desire and effort to draw near to him. Our effort. God's there. He wants to be found. He wants to be drawn near to us. Uh, James 4.8 says this, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God's desire is to be present in our lives every day, every moment of every day. Is that our desire? To know our God like He wants to know us uh, and to change us. And, and uh, God really wants them to be your friend. In those preceding verses, James chapter 4, in, in verse 4, in the latter verse 4, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's where we tend to get tripped up. We can have as much of God as we want. The problem is, we tend to be friends with the world. And that is a hindrance to the presence of God in our life. 
Because maybe we are seeking those things like fame, fortune, friends, whatever the case may be, whatever, whatever trips us up at that moment. But, but listen, God wants to be found. The Levites didn't have an inheritance in the promised land. The Lord was their inheritance. What an honor that, and what a privilege just that the idea of serving Jehovah would be your inheritance. We have that. Uh, that, that is afforded to us today. Uh, um, uh, do you desire the Lord's presence more than the things that you have in this world? I find that a convicting thought for myself. Because we can so often, and, and sometimes unawares or because we're not being careful, uh, we will get sidetracked with the things of this world. Because, listen, uh, the tyranny of the urgent tends to happen. Right? Anybody that has a job that's ever worked anywhere, there's things that come up, there's uh, obligations that have to be done, uh, met, and, and there's responsibilities that have to be carried out. And, and if we're not careful, the, the cares of the world and, and just trying to get around living our lives will suffocate the presence of God in our life. If we're not careful. And I'm telling you, that happens for the, the, the child of God more than we want to admit. Even with the things that, of serving the Lord, we get so caught up in, in the activity of service that we neglect the presence of God in our life and drawing near to God. And listen, we need to be careful of that. Uh, this desire to have the presence of God drove the psalmist to be committed to his word. Look what it says there. I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have said that I would keep thy words. He says, the Lord is my portion. O, uh, thou art my portion, O Lord. Excuse me, I have said that I would keep thy words. His desire to have the presence of God and, and the inheritance of God in his life was so important that he said he's going to keep the words. I'm going to stay on track because anything else will deter me from having the presence of God in my life. If I don't stay laser-focused on the Word of God and the things that are important to my God, I lose out on my portion. Uh, we had brats yesterday. I wanted a second portion. I like a brat, cheese brat. Uh, listen, but I didn't eat as much potato salad because I knew I wanted another brat. We need to be careful to focus on the things that we need. Uh, we can uh, distract ourselves with things that will crowd out the ability for God's presence to be evident in our life. The psalmist here said that the, the, the presence of God is so important that I will be committed to keeping His word. When temptation comes, I don't have to worry about that because I've already committed to do what the Word of God teaches and, and instructs me. Uh, send the temptation. I'm just going to rest in the Word of God and, because I don't want uh, the presence of God to go anywhere but, uh, but within me. I've said that I would keep thy words. To maintain a right relationship, we must work on the things that please the other. This will be some good marriage counseling here. But if we want God's presence in our life, we have to do those things that please Him. 
if I want Cindy to be around me, this is for my kids for that matter, they, they were less inclined to help dad work on the truck yesterday because of my attitude about the frustrating circumstances of what I was trying to do. They didn't want to be around me. Uh, it wasn't very pleasing to be around dad at those moments. Nick Carter came out and helped me. I, it wasn't all bad. I don't know why. I want you to think I'm just, you know, I am a horrible person, but uh, it's really not too bad. John chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Look at this. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Here it is. For I do always those things that please him. Christ was confident in the presence of the Father in his life because he always did those things that pleased him. Can we say that in our lives? Can we say, God, I'm going to keep your word regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on. I'm always going to do that which pleases you. That's a tall order. Uh, we have a flesh uh, that that's contrary to that idea of doing those things that please the Lord. And, and uh, we need to bring our bodies into subjection. Uh, we, we probably should do a better job at that. But anyway, Christ was confident of the Lord's presence because he always did those things that pleased the Father. The psalmist had the same experience. Uh, he was confident in his God because he had been faithful to keep the word. Right? It says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. He was confident that God would be with him because he had made a commitment to that which was right. Uh, do you have that experience this morning? Can you say the same thing? This reminds me of, of the commitment in Joshua. Very well-known passage in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, uh, when uh, he's uh, <clears throat> giving a, uh, a charge to the people of Israel, if you will, and it says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which are on the, your fathers, uh, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, serve the Lord. They were committed to the word of God. Listen, in there, Joshua gives them some choices. We don't have to choose to keep the word. We can make the decision not to. Uh, but Joshua says, I'm going to keep God's word. And, and we can experience the provisions and the presence of God uh, at such a great capacity if we would uh, just stop being double-binded. And commit to keeping God's word. Back into James, it talks about being that double-minded man. That's back and forth. And listen, uh, we need to just decide, you know what, God? Regardless of what's taking place, regardless of how convenient or comfortable it is, I'm keeping your word. I'm committed to this. Uh, boy, Psalm 119.58, the, the next verse there, verse 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me to thy word. Not only was he faithful to keep the word, but he wholeheartedly sought God's favor 
When we wholeheartedly seek God, we will, like the psalmist, we can be confident God will answer. Uh, he's almost presumptuous in some of these ways, the psalmist is here. The psalmist was confident because he had seen the mercy of God demonstrated throughout the Word of God. It says, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. He said, I have wholeheartedly sought you, God, and, and your favor and to please you, if you will. He says, be merciful unto me according to thy word. He had seen, demonstrated in the word of God, God's mercy and his faithfulness. And he was confident that God would answer that. He went before God and entreated him. Uh, He had seen God's mercy demonstrated time and time again. Listen, the scripture are filled with examples of God's mercy. Look at Adam and Eve. What greater example do we need? They chose not to keep the word of God blatantly. And what does God do? He provides a way in his mercy. We see that with Hagar. And, and, uh, and again, I don't know if David is the writer of this psalm for certain, but listen, we definitely see that in the life of David. God's mercy. And how you could really mess up and mess up big. And God's merciful. That doesn't mean there's not consequences. That doesn't mean there aren't things that, that you will, will face because of those decisions, but, but you can experience God once again, as we see in Psalm 51. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. There's no lack of mercy with our God. And the psalmist knew that. He had no doubt experienced God's mercy in his own life. And he's saying, God, according to what I've seen in your word and and maybe what I've experienced in my life, God, I need your mercy. Uh, And Psalm 119, verse 132, we're not quite there yet, but I want to look ahead a little bit. It says, look thou upon me and be merciful unto me. Look at what it says. As thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. The psalmist there had seen God be merciful unto those in the past. He knew that we serve a God of mercy and, and uh, he was merciful and that he could plead for mercy and what God would honor his request. But he knew God would honor that request because he had committed to wholeheartedly seeking him and keeping his word. Because uh, it says, as thou usest unto those that love thy name, to those that are, that are serving you. And listen, we have, a, we have as much of God as we want this morning. You were as close to God as you want to be this morning. Can you say, Thou art my portion, O Lord? I've said that I would keep thy words. Listen, if you would just get serious about keeping the word of God in your life and following God, He would show up. He's merciful, forgiving. And he will show up every time when you turn and seek him. He's promised us that throughout his word. Uh, And and, boy, what a a joy to know that we serve a merciful God. We mess up. We fail. Sometimes willingly, knowingly, presumptuously. Yet our God is still merciful. 
uh, and still patient with us and, and loving. And, and listen, this morning, I just want to challenge you. With God. Make God your portion. Make Him the thing that you desire more than anything else in this world. I have said that I would keep thy words. That was a decision of the psalmist. I'm not messing around anymore. I'm going to get serious about walking with you, Lord. I'm going to do what the word of God tells me to do. And then he entreats him and asks for God's favor. I'm desiring your favor with my whole heart and be merciful unto me. He knew he was a failure. He knew he messed up, but God, I need you to be with me. I want your presence in my life. I want the power of God in my life as I minister. God, I need you to show up on my behalf. Be merciful. I've seen the mercy that you've uh, displayed on the lives of other people. God, I want some of that. Be entreated to the Lord. And, and listen, we need God's direction. Verse 59, it says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet under thy testimonies. I just realized I have no idea what time it is. Sorry. Ooh. 27. The clock's gone. So, um, sorry, excuse me. Uh, the first step in drawing near to God is to examine the direction of our lives. Uh, the psalmist declares that when he begins to think on his ways, in contrast to the Lord's ways, it says, He turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Uh, when we realize our ways are contrary to God's ways, we must turn back and align our ways to God's ways. And we must do it quickly. Look what it says there. It says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet under thy testimonies. In verse 60, it says, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Listen, when we do find we're off course, when we do find that we're in the, headed in the wrong direction, we, we, and we, we come to... Uh, we come to ourselves, so to speak. We need to make haste and not delay and turn back to the things of God and say, God, forgive me. I want to return to you and return to uh, the presence that you will give. Uh, boy, the presence of God. And Do we accept the truth of God's word and turn to go in the right direction? Some might refer to that as repentance, right? And uh, making a change of direction, if you will? Or do we reject the truth of the Word of God and stay our own course? Do we get stubborn about things? Well, I know this might not necessarily be the right way to go, but you know what? I'm, I'm sticking to this. How foolish. Uh, but listen, how oftentimes do Christians do that? And what does it do? It hinders the presence of God in our life. Because maybe we've done that for a long time. That's just been our manner of life. The Lord's never spoke to me about this area of my life. This is just normal. It's okay. I've been doing it for years. But the moment God points that out, you have to make haste without delay and turn your direction toward the things of God and the path of God and say, Lord, forgive me. But, but listen, too often we're stubborn and we don't want to. I've been, it's okay. I've been doing it. I want to remind you of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? 
I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I love the the words there, and it says, when he came to himself. The psalm says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. When we, when the word of God or the Holy Spirit of God reveals something in our lives that is contrary to what God desires or what's contrary to what pleases the Father, that's our opportunity to direct our feet in the correct direction uh, without hate or without delay. Post haste, if you will. People don't know what that means today. I told that to a couple of young whippersnappers at work, and they're post haste. What are you talking about? I said, Do it fast. Come on. <laughs> when the prodigal began <clears throat> to think on the ways or his ways and came to himself, he realized the error of his way, and the only logical solution was a return to the father's house. I'm going to starve to death here. Uh, could you just imagine a man feeding from a trough? A trough that swine do? Imagine how low he was. And it just, he came to himself. What in the world am I doing? I can be enjoying the presence of my father. And what's he do? He directs his feet into the paths of his father. And listen, this morning, uh, you need to think about your ways and turn your feet unto the Lord's testimonies. Whatever God guides you and directs you in and, or he reveals to you that's not right in your life, adjust it. And, and listen, you could feed at the father's table and not the pig's trough. But our flesh, it doesn't make any sense. Our flesh likes the mire. It's appealing to the flesh. And so we need to uh, overcome that and come to ourselves. This is ridiculous. Dad's servants have more than enough. And here I am eating the swine's food. I'm with the pigs. When the light of the word reveals we have wandered off course, we should make those things or those changes immediately without delay. Uh, <clears throat> the psalmist, he said, he made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. We must not delay our, re- our return to the Lord. Listen, that, that son there would have perished. He said he's starving to death. He's hungry. Listen, uh, sometimes I think we feel like we're doing pretty good because physically we're okay. But spiritually, we're starving to death when we're in that state. And we need God in our life. And if we're not careful, we'll enjoy those pleasures of sin for a season. But when it's time to start reaping those things, it won't be pleasant. Don't delay. Make haste. Return to the testimonies of the Lord and Listen, when we realize we were off course and out of line with the Scriptures, we must make haste to return. Return to the Lord. Make haste. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 7. Um, I, I went through a good portion of the book of Joshua with the teens while Brother Long was gone. And, and uh, there's some, some wonderful things to learn there. 
But it says in, in uh, chapter 7, in verses 11 through 18, I'm just going to kind of pull some different thoughts. It says, Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. Look what it says. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. This is probably the most troubling thought. Neither will I be with you anymore. When they had taken of the accursed thing, when sin was in the camp, they were defeated at Ai because their God was not with them. They had sin, and it says, neither will I be with you anymore. And so what does Joshua do? God, uh, of course, we know we don't have the time to go through the whole story, and, and it's revealed that, that, that there's sin in the camp, and so they're, they're going to bring uh, them tribe by tribe uh, before the elders, before Joshua. And I believe it's verse 18. It says, Joshua rose up early in the morning. Joshua didn't like to live in defeat. He says, we need to take care of this first thing in the morning. We might not be able to handle it right now tonight, but first thing in the morning, he didn't waste any time. We got to get this right because we don't have God's presence in our life. Are you living a defeated life, Christian? Are you struggling? You feel like you have no power? You have no, uh, no true presence of God in your life? Is it because sin? God's not going to be around there. When there's sin, uh, he doesn't fellowship with those that have sin in their life. Having sin's miserable. It really is. Maybe those quick moments of gratification, or, or you know, we 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 take that. But when sin it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Nobody wants to live a defeated Christian life. It's miserable. Deal with that sin and deal with it quickly. Make haste. Do it right away. And, and so Joshua, he, he deals with that. He didn't waste any time. They get up early and they, they deal with it. Listen, we have the choice to live a life of defeat and trouble or we can arise and deal with the sin and live victorious, peaceful lives. If we would just deal with that. Nobody wants to get beat in battle. Joshua wanted the confidence that his God was with him when they went to face Ai the next time. We need to deal with this. And what we know, history tells us they were victorious. Are you satisfied living in defeat? Are you just okay to get by? Has the lack of God's power in your life become the normal? Is it just accepted? Maybe you don't even realize that you're off course. That's how long you've been astray. The Word of God seems so distant. The Holy Spirit, where is that? God help us to deal with the sin and to do it with haste. We need God's direction in our lives. And final verses in this stanza. Uh, probably not to get through this entirely. We'll see, but... Uh, uh, we see a, a, kind of a repeated thought here as the psalmist tries to live faithful to God's word. Those opposing God attempt to discourage and trip him up, right? Uh, it's never easy. Verse 61 says, The bands of the wicked have robbed me. Every time God's people plan 
uh, to do something. Satan and the lost world conspire to uh, disrupt it. Uh, Satan doesn't want anything done for God. And, and so the bands of the wicked here, ungodly forces are surrounding the psalmist. Uh, these forces do not want God's people to gather into God's presence. They don't want him, them worshiping God and, and doing good works for the Lord. Satan's most, most effective tactic, I think, is, is really to distract and to discourage. If you can just distract us, when? Because we're not accomplishing those things that we ought to be doing. I can't tell you how many times I go to read my Bible, I go to pray, and there's a million other things that need to be done right then. They really don't, but that's the way you feel sometimes. Uh, the Satan just has a way of trying to distract and get in there in between. And, and, and listen, the bands of the wicked have robbed the psalmist. And look what it says in verse 61 as we, as we try to get through this here. It says, but I have not forgotten thy law. Regardless of the opposition, the psalmist, the psalmist here is focused and committed to serving God. He said, listen, there are those people that have tried to rob me of the presence of God and have tried to disrupt my walk with God. He said, but listen, I am committed to keeping the word of God. I'm not going to forget the law. Uh, he will not allow others to deter him from serving his God. Listen, we're going to face opposition, but we can't forget the goodness of God's word and the law of God. Uh, <clears throat> it will refresh us. Listen, it will encourage us to keep pressing despite any opposition, no matter what we face. It, listen, those times when sometimes maybe it's the hardest to carve out a few moments to spend with God, sometimes are those are the most necessary. And, and God has a way of just throwing something at us to encourage and to strengthen us for the opposition of ahead, maybe that day or that week, whatever the case may be. Listen, but, but he said that, I have not forgotten thy law. He's not going to neglect it. He's going to remember it. Look what, in verse 62. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. And uh, the psalmist was able to go, <clears throat> or to go over, or to overcome, excuse me, the bands of the wicked because he meditated in the word of God. These people that tried to disrupt him, he, he was not going to forget the word of God and, and he was not going to allow these things uh, to happen. He was rising to give thanks. Uh, when we are perplexed and unable to sleep, we ought to think on the word of God and give thanks for all God has done. Uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit last week. Uh, listen, we can be comforted from the troubles of this life and the world if we would rise to give thanks unto God. We often live in distress because of our attention is focused, excuse me, on the wrong things. Uh, we allow the troubles and distresses of life to keep us up at night rather than giving the thanks to our God. Look what he said. He said he rose up to give thanks at midnight. Matthew Henry says this. It says, when David found, he believes David wrote the psalm. If, that, if you like Matthew Henry, uh, maybe you'll take his argument. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. When David found his heart affected with God's judgments, he immediately offered up those affections to God in actual adorations, not deferring lest they should cool. Now, I'm not putting this off. Pick it up what I'm putting down there, right? Or what Matthew Henry's putting down? So, yet observe his reverence. He did not lie still and give thanks, 
but rose out of his bed, perhaps in the cold and in the dark, to do, a more, do it more solemnly and see what a good husband he was of time. When he could not lie and sleep, he would rise and pray. End quote. We ought to direct our attention to the word of God and his goodness in our lives. We just may be able to sleep a little better at night. Give thanks. As the psalmist presses onward in God's way, he finds that there are other faithful companions. And, and so, of course, in verse 63, it says, I have a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Uh, the psalmist that experienced those bands, right, those wicked ones that were mistreating him or, or disrupting the things of God in his life, um, he chose rather to be associated with those that associate with the Lord. Uh, he was a companion of those that associate with the Lord. And I found this quote from Albert Barnes. A man may determine much in regard to his own character by asking him what is the character of his chosen friends and companions. A member of a church should regard it as a dark sign against himself in regard to his uh, piety if his chosen friends are taken from the world and not from the professed friends of God. If he finds more pleasure in their society and in the scenes where they meet than he does in the society of Christians, however humble, or in places where they assemble for prayer and praise. We ought to be the friends of those that are friends of God. There may be those that attempt to deter us and desire to prevent us from seeking and following the Lord. Uh, listen, we need to push through those schemes of the wicked one and, and uh, listen, with renewed hearts and longing to grow in our relationship to God. Uh, we need to push through that uh, and find fellowship with other believers, uh, those that will encourage us. Aligning our lives with other biblical-minded friends will help keep us on track for God. Every time. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Those we choose to hang out with will affect how effectively we walk with God. They will have an effect on our lives. We need to choose our friends wisely. You cannot associate with sinners and be unaffected. That doesn't mean that we're not a witness. That doesn't mean I'm talking about rubbing shoulders and hanging out and, and, and buddying up with them. That's what I'm talking about. You will be affected and your walk with God will be hindered. No doubt. And so as, as we close this stanza, uh, we come to verse 64. And, and the earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. And again, we see the psalmist sees the mercies of God demonstrated throughout the earth. Example after example of God's mercies. He sees God's mercy and asks God to teach him his ways. Almost as to say, Lord, how do you do it? Your mercy is so great. Teach me your ways. Boy, we could learn a lot about being merciful. And so I'll, I'll close with this. As we seek the presence of God in our lives, He will guide our ways. As we align our lives according to the Word of God, we can be confident in our ways as we walk uh, this earth. We ought to surround ourselves with those that are companions of the Lord. Uh, he'll bless us. If we will do these things, we can live in peace and see and experience the mercy of God in our life. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that your word would just strengthen our hearts and encourage us to walk closer to you. I pray that we would make it a priority.
Lord, to have your presence in our life. Lord, that each one will draw near to you. And Lord, we'll trust you to do as you promised that you draw near to us. Bless now as we go to the next hour. We pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to bless the preaching of your word. Bless the music and the hymns. Lord, we pray that you'd be glorified in all of it and that you'd draw men to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.